talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And we're back to talk about all of the movies yes. of 2020. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else loves doing this as much as we do, but I think it's hilarious. And I have a feeling we did horribly on our 2019 predictions. So I'm excited to see, like, what happened there. <laughs> yeah, you came up with this idea last year of, like, I think we were struggling to find stuff to cover in these like <laughs> early months. And especially when the Oscars were pushed back so far last year, you we were like, let's yeah. do a like year in prediction and we'll try to guess the Rotten Tomatoes scores for all these movies. And it has just been life giving this year <laughs> to see all of our horrific predictions on like whether stuff was going to be good, whether stuff is going to be bad. Three of the movies we predicted that were supposed to come out last year haven't even come out yet. So it's just really a disaster. And I'm, and I'm excited. Look, Looking yeah. forward to this new crop of movies for this year, too, because wowza. Yeah, and I think you realize pretty much that the movies that are announced like this early in 2019 or 2020 aren't usually the best movies to come no. out of the year. So we're really just uh, just pulling from the bottom of the barrel here. And um, we'll probably be movies we honestly don't even see on this list. But yeah, because I mean, yeah, it's like the only things that are released or that you know about are stuff that's like coming out this winter, spring, which is <laughs> like a bad time. And then big blockbustery <laughs> movies like nothing that's coming out this fall that's actually good has released it yet at this point. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> shall we go back to last year and take a look yes. at some of our uh, finer moments? I guess let's start with some of the predictions that we just got super wrong. So Captive State, which ended up with a <laughs> 44 on Rotten Tomatoes, we both said would get a 75%, which is oh, wild. Wow. Like, yes, we were very high on that movie. Yeah, I guess we didn't have any footage. We just had the cast. and <laughs> Which is even it's crazier totally because the cast had nobody in it. Like, why were we so <laughs> excited about this movie? Because <laughs> aliens, man. Here's Here's an even better one, though. Men in Black International. Do you remember mm. what you thought this movie would be getting? I I hope I went low, but I guess I'm. I oh was no! Oh pro. no! <laughs> it it actually had a twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. You gave wow. it a seventy eight, and I gave oh, it a wow. ninety two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I guess grading on a curve. I gave it a lower rating than you yes, did in the yes. end. So maybe you, we yes. were, you we did were get on the to point. something there. Um, <laughs> Joker was sort of interesting. It got a 69% from Rotten Tomatoes. You gave it an 83%. Mm. I said it would have a I 30%. Know. So that was yeah. a that was. A I was pro-Joker until I saw it. And then I hated it. The Goldfinch, which racked up a 24% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. You said would have a 68 I said would have a 78 So we were... Quite far off the mark on that. (laughs) Another favorite is The Kitchen, uh, which got a 22%. Uh, You and I both said it would get a 70. So we were high on that one as well. We were just like very optimistic, it sounds like. Like, what were the lowest, what was the lowest score we predicted? You gave a 21% to Dora the Explorer, which ended up getting an 84. So that was pretty low. Um, Let me see if we went lower than that at any point. Oh, I gave a 12% to the uh, Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie, which ended up Mm. getting a 56%. But I feel like 12% is what it actually got in the, uh, like... (laughs) 
Zeitgeist. No one talked about that movie. Yeah. <laughs> did you even see it? No, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. It was forgettable. So also, I went through and I looked at all of our scores and I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> scores and I like took a tally of who was closest and, and you know, gave a point for each round. So I will say that I beat you on that friend. I <laughs> I was correct 24 times. You were correct 21 times. So it was close. Oh, it was close. But I was close, like, I was like, close. my taste is obviously significantly better than yours. So <laughs> let me also go back and check the audience ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Because oh, okay. like maybe, maybe I'm like more in tune with the audience than you are. Right. That, however, was not the case. Um, in the <laughs> audience rating, you beat me 29 to 16. So that was oh, quite wow. a blowout. So I'm more in tune with the critics, but you are clearly like more well connected <laughs> to whoever is the audience rating movies on Rotten Tomatoes. So congratulations for that. Yes. You know what? I mean, honestly, they have a better idea of some of these things. So I'll take it. <laughs> but yeah. And then also of like each of us picked 15 or each of us picked... 10 movies. Like 10 movies that we wanted or 10 movies that we thought were going to be good and five movies that we thought we were going to be bad. And of those predictions, you got nine of yours right and I got 10 of mine right. So we were about on the same page of like our predictions of whether something was going to be good or bad. So. Right. (laughs) Well, that's good. That's something at least that shows that we are intelligent people worthy of a podcast. So. Oh, I mean, anyone is worthy of a podcast. That's the lowest, <laughs> lowest <laughs> possible bar of entry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So did looking back at those help you kind of refigure your ratings for this year? Like, did it help with your realistic expectations, maybe? Well, I feel like I was looking and I think I took more big swings than you did. Um, (laughs) and you guessed like more conservatively in most part. And Mm. I think that that helps just like numerically, if you're closer to the middle than if the movie does better or worse, you're kind of like more likely (laughs) to get the point. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, if I guess an 85 and you guess an 84, then anything below 84 you win, but I only win if it's 85 or higher. So I was sort of like, okay, I need to like think about the math better so that i can like (laughs) beat you more handily this year so i put some more thought into it such a strategist and i also did a lot of like as i was going through and picking out my ratings i was like doing research in other movies that i felt like were similar (laughs) and what their rotten tomatoes scores were so i've come on with a lot of uh thoughts about this and probably that means i'll do worse actually so (laughs) (laughs) overthinking this um prediction game here at the beginning of 2020 um yeah i mean I definitely was trying to think it through better, but it's hard because it's just like anyone's guess at this point. For the majority of these, we don't even have trailers. Even the like uh, summaries are kind of vague. So who knows what these are going to be like, but I guess we'll see. (laughs) So we did the same thing that we did last year where each of us got to pick... 10 movies that we're excited to talk about, five movies that we're not looking forward to, and then we're just going to kind of do a rapid fire guess the Rotten Tomatoes score of like another 20 at the end that are bigger movies that we just didn't choose to spend more time on. Um, And we're going through these in release date order. But I should say before we get started (laughs) that three of the movies from last year that we talked about haven't come out yet. So I guess if we want a chance to revise our scores on those, we can. 
Um, So the rhythm section, which was supposed to come out last February, has been pushed back (laughs) to this February. You and I both predicted this movie had a 60%. Do you want to change that at all? Um, yeah, I mean, having seen the trailer, it feels more like it's going to fall into the peppermint camp. And I really would be surprised if it gets over 32. Oh, so you're going to go 32. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to go with 40. I do think it's lower than a 60, but I'm not sure it's going to be that low. (laughs) Then another movie that we predicted last year was the Artemis Fowl movie, which was supposed to come out that last August and got bumped to April. Um, I said 70%. You said 38. Would you like to revise? Oh, no. I think that that makes sense to me. <laughs> I, I'm i still I'm still pro this movie. I'm going to stick with 70. I'm, you know, have to <sighs> vote okay. it into yeah, being Yeah, Eternal Optimist. And yeah. then the last movie is Sonic the Hedgehog, which was supposed to come out in November, got pushed back. You gave it a 38%. I gave it a 55%. I, I think I'll stick with that. Yeah, I think I will too. <laughs> I don't see this movie being great. I mean, the redesign definitely does look better, but I don't know if that's going to cater enough good favor to make it a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so let's get into this year's movies. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out February 7th, a movie you picked as one of your <laughs> favorites that you're excited for is yes. the Birds of Prey Margot Robbie movie. Tell us about this and why you're excited. Yeah, I mean, this is one, obviously, we've seen trailers for now. It's the Suicide Squad spinoff, which, honestly, Suicide Squad is one of the worst films I've ever seen. But this is basically the story of um, Margot Robbie's character, whose name I just Harley Quinn. on. Harley Quinn! Harley Quinn, and she um, gets together with all these other, who, I guess, superheroes from different comic books I've never heard of. Black Canary, Huntress, Renee Montoya, and they're on a mission to save a young girl from an evil crime lord, played by the one and only Ewan McGregor. And I think this looks good, one, because they took away the male gaze that just totally destroyed Suicide Squad, brought in a female writer, female director, and they have all these really interesting female characters that doesn't feel like, I don't know, sort of like playing to the playing the feminist card it seems like it's a very fun movie and and a fresh idea and perspective and i think it's like the dc universe's chance to kind of show that they can do something beyond just dark moody batman v superman sort of choices um so i'm excited i think i'm going to feel confident and give this an 85 percent Oh, wow. Um, I gave this a 75%. I also think that it looks good and that it looks like it could be a lot of fun. I don't think, I think with Suicide Squad, I mean, I guess it did well monetarily, but it did so poorly with the critics that I feel like you wouldn't bring her back unless you really had a good plot line for it. Um, I also think that it coming out in February is a good time for that because... I don't think there's going to be a lot of competition. So if it's good, I think it can make a lot of money. So I, I think I think this was a wise choice. Nice yeah, job. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so coming out the following weekend is my first uh, favorite choice, which is the movie <laughs> Fantasy Island, which is a Blumhouse horror movie. The description is an enigmatic Mr. Rourke makes 
the secret dreams of his lucky guests come true at a luxurious but remote tropical island resort. But when the fantasies turn into nightmares, the guests have to solve the island's mystery in order to escape with their lives. Yes, very on brand for you. Yes, it has a sort of like an escape room upside to me. It's the guy who directed Truth or Dare, which I didn't see, but I think was like sort of fun. <laughs> it has Lucy Hale, Michael Pena's in it, and he's the best part of the Ant-Man franchise. So I don't know. I think this looks like a fun kind of schlocky horror movie. I'm giving it a 65%, which might be a oh, little wow. generous with the critics, but I think I think this looks like a good time. I'm excited for I it. I mean, yeah, Blumhouse, like in our in my research, they tend to do fairly middle of the road films except for the hide and seek one or the truth or dare i mean <laughs> they oh. should do a hide and seek one but truth no, or they dare did had do like 13 percent. they did do a hide and seek one uh ready oh, or not did. oh well, yeah, i think yeah, that yeah. was You're right. so i'll give this one uh because i'm feeling generous uh 43 percent Mm, okay okay you're low on this 60 <laughs> percent seems like a lot for a february horror release you know but i'm thinking like if this is just a fun horror movie it could have you know it could get a lot of good like it's campy reviews and based on the trailer <laughs> that's the type of vibe i'm seeing yeah. so that's what i'm hoping for is like okay. it's a fun campy romp and not like you know it was just a hot philosophical mess, which it could fall into easily. So I don't know. (laughs) I'm sort of nervous for it, but whatever. Yeah. Well, then later in the month, one of the ones I'm not looking forward to is the new Emma based on Jane Austen's novel. It's been done a few times. Um, This one stars Anya Taylor-Joy from The Witch and Glass. And it seems to be a very true to the book um, period piece. It's a little more spunky, I guess. But I am just like a ride or die for the 1996 Gwyneth Paltrow version. I mean, that one, you had Tony Collette, you had Alan Cumming, Jeremy Northam as Mr. Knightley, which was just a dream for me <laughs> growing up. <laughs> and so it's really hard for me to get excited about this because I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, the costumes look nice, but the cast itself just doesn't make sense to me. I can't tell any of the guys apart. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe I'll end up liking it, but I am not excited about it. I think these period pieces tend to do well with critics, though. So even though I would want it to end up being worse, I think it'll come in around 71%. I am excited about this. I saw that I read Emma a couple of years ago. I've never seen any of the movie adaptions. Mm. I thought this looked like a lot of fun. The trailer is really not giving you anything about the plot and is really just sort of giving you like, it's Jane Austen, but like quirky kind of. The director and the writer are both new, but the writer is Eleanor Catton, who won a Booker Prize for her novel, The Luminaries. So I just don't know why you make this movie unless like the script is really good. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of faith in it. I'm giving it an 82%. I think that this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll see. Early in the year, though. So who knows? Yeah, but I think that because this is a because it's like a movie with sort of a smaller cast and it looks like smaller budget, the director and the writer are kind of new that they wouldn't put it, that they wouldn't save it for later in the year when it's going to be up against a lot more heavy hitters. I think they're going for that kind of like, it's the only fun art house movie that's out in February slot where they can try (laughs) to scoop up a bunch of that money, like post Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a slew of, um, 
negatives here. Yes, <laughs> you do. Realized. They're all in um, a row. Not going to be a great month for me because on March 6th, The Way Back comes out, which I had to sit through one of these trailers because I showed up to a movie too early. And this is the um, Ben Affleck project. It's about a widowed former basketball all-star who loses his I don't know, family, you know, obviously because he's widowed and he's he's struggling with addiction and he decides that his comeback will be helping the being the coach of this like uh, what, what Google describes as an ethnically mixed high school basketball team. Oh, and yikes. <laughs> I cannot tell you the eye roll that I sustained through this entire trailer. If you know me, you know I'm not a Ben Affleck fan, first of all. But also, this just seems like so cheesy. It's basically like, remember the Titans set in today's world with a sad, struggling addict. And I'm just like, not here for it. I don't think it looks well done. I think it seems like a bad choice for everyone involved. And I think it will be very weird white saviory with Ben Affleck at the helm. So I'm going to give this a very generous 30%. Yeah. I mean, this movie looks terrible and also Ben Affleck (laughs) looks horrific in it. Like his eyes looked so bad. I don't know. I mean, he obviously looks bad in general, but I don't, know also like how much of it it was makeup because just watching him in the trailer i was like dude this is rough it's (laughs) from the director of like miracle and warrior so i sort of have faith in the like hoorah sports movie of it all like i could see this being something that my dad would really like um does your dad agree with critics Right. Well, that's the question. Uh, It's also from the director of The Accountant, which is another Ben Affleck movie that I've seen probably about four times because my dad loves it. (laughs) The thing that really does it for me, though, is that this movie was shot back in 2018. It was originally scheduled to come out in 2019 and got pushed back to a March release, (laughs) which signals to me from October. So that to me is like, this didn't do well screening. We're going to push it back to an earlier point of the year. I don't want to go as low as 30, but I'm going to give it a 45%. And that's probably too high. Yeah, I honestly could have gone lower, I think. But we'll see. (laughs) Um, Definitely one I won't be watching in theaters, though, if I can help it. Um, And then we have that same weekend coming out is the new Pixar movie Onward. And this is not what I'm looking forward to. This is divisive, Shelby, that you're oh, putting yeah. <laughs> this, that you're putting onward in your negative group. I know. And here's the reason why. I think, first of all, Pixar has two movies coming out in 2020. And I don't think they can make two great films in a single year. I also have seen this trailer one too many times. And every time I'm just like, uh, it just isn't like clicking for me. This is the one that's about uh, two teenage elf brothers played by. Um, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland from Marvel paired together and they find this wizarding staff and they are trying to spend one final day with their father who died when they were young and and they through a series of bad choices or awkward events uh, they only get like half his body reformed they have to go on this quest and so it like takes place in this magical modern world and I don't know. It just feels sort of like on the same level as like the good dinosaur or like some of these less 
like tentpole Pixar movies. It also seems like very reminiscent of that bad animated movie Robots, where it takes place in a world where <gasps> robots live. You know? No, I loved Robots. <laughs> I think some people do. I Robin I just Williams. Didn't love it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is such a classic. How dare you? Yeah. Well, I mean, this one seems similar, so maybe you'll like it. But I just, it just seems sort of like kitschy and um, I'm not as into it. But Pixar, even when they do a bad movie, is still a good movie. So I'm going to say this one is going to get 75%. I have this at 86%. I feel like The Good Dinosaur and Brave are the two like kind of clunkers in the Pixar lineup for me. I mean, some of the sequels aren't as good, but that those are sequels. So whatever. The fact that they're marketing this so much, though, makes me feel like they believe in it. And The Good Dinosaur and Brave were both sort of like they were movies that I don't think were very inventive. And I feel like Pixar's best moments are when they're coming up with stuff that's like new, interesting ideas. And this has that for me. I like the setup Mm. and also the fact that the dad died. Like it feels like there could be a lot of emotion in this movie, (laughs) you know, like a Coco-esque kind of thing going on at some (laughs) point. So I don't know. This is the first Pixar movie ever to be be released in March. They usually always release their movies either in the summer or in, um, like November, but they also have another. They also have another year with this scheduling, like in, in 2022. I think I was looking at their schedule where they have a March and then a summer movie. So I'm not necessarily thinking that they're dumping this year. I think this could be a strategic move on their part. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I give it an 86. percent I am into it. Okay. A movie okay. I am not into coming out <laughs> March 13th is I Still Believe, which is. <laughs> A Christian biopic about the life of Jeremy Camp and his first wife, Melissa, who's diagnosed with ovarian cancer shortly after they get married. The reason why I picked this is because it stars KJ Apa, who is Archie (laughs) from Riverdale. It also has Shania Twain in it. Uh, I've seen this trailer like 60 times. They're really pushing this hard. And I feel like usually for Christian movies, they don't market it as much. Um... I don't know. I saw the breakthrough trailer one too many times. Yeah, but maybe that's I guess that's I'm true. Houston. I I give this a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I feel like could be slightly generous. But I will say this. I think that this movie is going to make a crap ton of money. And I wouldn't be surprised if it won its <laughs> opening weekend. I think that I was like looking at the amounts that like Christian movies have made. And I feel like this could be like the biggest Christian movie to come out to date. Like it has a lot (laughs) of stuff going for it, I think. Um, Wait, is this a true story? Yes, it's a true story. (laughs) I had no idea. I really thought someone was just making a sad um, walk to remember like remake. It's it's about like a legitimate Christian music star that a lot of people would know and I think he's going on tour with some other big Christian bands to promote the movie as well so I feel (laughs) like this is going to get a lot of hype and I feel and I will go see it just because I want to compare it to that terrible uh Cole Sprouse uh I want to watch all of the bad Riverdale cast in a romantic movie where someone dies in the same universe you know they probably do Cole Sprouse's character will be in this movie um yeah I mean I was looking at some of these like breakthrough five feet apart that sort of thing and they get like surprisingly high scores so I'm gonna go ahead and say this is gonna get 52 percent 
Oh. I don't I don't think it'll be good and I think that's way too high for a movie of this caliber but I just I don't know why Breakthrough got as high as it did and that's enough for me to feel like okay well I'll just push this in here around the five feet apart ranking yeah I could I could see it coming in with that I honestly could yeah well later that month on March 20th A Quiet Place Part 2 comes out and I put this one as one I'm excited for which is interesting because which is weird because you didn't like the original i in i was entertained by the original i just also thought it was stupid okay so it's like there you can enjoy something even though you think it's moronic it's it's uh you do that all the time so i'm surprised that you can't wrap your head around this but a quiet place i think struggled with its own its own seriousness like John Krasinski talked about it like oh it's a metaphor about family like oh yeah like this is high art and I think it struggled with that expectation and that weight of this like you know I just could go on a rant about John Krasinski's character and like the way he handled the family dynamic there and I think that was a big problem with the first film but this one takes place immediately after so John Krasinski's character is dead and the Abbott family is now moving away from their dumb like paradise that clearly was never going to work and they run into other survivors and so it becomes a story that's more monster centric and it seems like it's going to be like oh like the monsters aren't out there they're in here you know like that type of human nature uh debacle but it has Cillian Murphy in it who I'm a big fan of um he's obviously from Batman Begins and I don't know if you've seen Red Eye but it's a very good movie (laughs) and so i'm excited to watch this unfold i think it has the potential to disappoint people because it seems to be a very different movie than the first one but it just feels more like self-aware enough that it's like fine we'll give you the flashbacks to explain how this happened maybe we'll get to see that last newspaper turn out its final headline and I think it'll be good to have more talking because clearly they've realized like oh we don't have to be mute the whole movie so I'm excited for it but I feel like it's not gonna be that great I mean the first one got 90% on Rotten Tomatoes which is truly just mind-boggling to me um so i'm gonna grade on a curve and say that this is gonna end up at like 68 percent comparatively i see i feel like i have the opposite opinion of you like i loved the original i think one of the Mm -hmm. things that worked really well with the original is that it didn't really get into the weeds of like the mythology of this or how it happened necessarily (laughs) it was just about this one family experiencing this thing on a farm and i think i thought that that setup kind of worked well for it with this where it's we're seeing flashbacks we're seeing other people i feel like it opens it up to so many weird <laughs> plot holes and and it's going to get the in the weeds like how did this happen though. yes but they weren't like drawing attention to themselves where i feel like in this there's going to be so many questions of like why did they do this how did this happen this just makes no sense this world that they <laughs> live in so i don't know i i'm giving it a 62% i hope that it is a lot better and that I like it a lot more but I can see this being something where after it comes out people being like yeah they should have stuck with just one this kind of was all (laughs) over the place yeah uh, it's a fair point it'll be interesting to see I'm sure we'll do an episode about it which means I can talk more about a quiet place and just get you all riled up but oh gosh um, (laughs) no 
<laughs> Later that month is Mulan, which uh, our listeners will know I am very excited for. We talked about this recently, so I I mean, we don't have to go into it, especially since it's a remake. So we all know the original movie. Um, it'll be interesting to see if I can if it can rise above like these magical elements and the controversy of its stars but live actions haven't been great in the past but they still score fairly well so if Beauty and the Beast got 71% then I'm confident this one will at least get 75%. Oh my gosh, I feel like that is so high. I was looking what? through the Disney remakes and I feel like most of them were in like the 50s. This But Beauty and the me... Beast was worse. Like you know what I mean? I think Beauty and the Beast is it was like just enough the same and just enough different. I think this is like too different. I think the fact that the star is controversial, people are going to sort of be like have, I don't think there's a lot of goodwill for this movie at the moment. I think (laughs) the parts of it that people really liked are not necessarily parts that are sticking with it. I think your kind of like bias to, Oh, I love the remakes that, are different yes. is not necessarily something that like the wider <laughs> audience shares. I'm giving this a 48% and I feel like it oh, could wow. be lower depending on how just like no. this movie doesn't look fun to me. It looks so, oh, it looks dull. so beautiful though. <laughs> and I don't like, is this movie for kids? It doesn't really look like it is like, I just don't know who this is for or what this is doing. And the fact that they are dumping it in March also, I mean like Disney has so many I movies mean, that they kind of have to, but this isn't that yeah. Dumbo spot. And I just am a little bit, <laughs> Like but you ugh. love Dumbo. I mean, I did, but critically, I think it got like fifty. <laughs> so, okay, we'll see. Early, early movie, so we'll remember to revisit this. But um, I have a. I mean, good yeah, I'm coming. looking at this right now because I have last year's things, and I gave Dumbo a fifty or an eighty-four percent. You gave Dumbo <laughs> a fifty-five percent, and it ended up getting a forty-seven percent. So we were both too high on Dumbo, so and this I has was Dumbo right, vibes. Though. I was closer to right, and so ergo, on I'll be closer one. to right on this. <laughs> So, <laughs> sure. um, and then on April 3rd, another one I'm excited for is The Lovebirds, which the trailer was just released. This is an Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani, um, who star as a couple who, I guess, according to the plot description, are sort of on the brink of breaking up, but they get suddenly embroiled in this um, sort of murder mystery where they're, they're accused of murdering this guy and they have to go on this wild night to clear their names and solve the case. So it's very much a diversified date night that Steve Carell and Tina Fey movie. Um, Yes. But it's from the director of the big sick. It's unknown writers. So it could be bad. It could be more like game night where it's a surprisingly good film. I think the trailer is very funny and you all know, I love an Issa Rae moment. So I think like coming little. off a little, like <laughs> this is her chance to shine. Um, so I think comedies are hard though, and it is sort of an early release. So I'm going to say 56%. Oh, I'm a lot higher on this than you are. Oh, really? The, I I think it's, it's from the director of The Big Sick. He also directed a lot of episodes of Search Party, which I love. I think the fact that it's unknown writers is a plus because that means that the move, like it must be... The script is like standing up on itself. It's not coming from somebody who has already done something. I think the cast is really good. Anna Camp's also in it. And the thing that (laughs) really pushed me over the edge is that it's going to South by Southwest before it's released. And I don't think that if the movie is bad, you take it to South by Southwest 
where mm. it can get ripped to shreds and then release it a month later. Because at that point, then all the buzz is going to be gone and everyone's going to be like, no, it's bad. Don't see it. So I think that they have a lot of faith in it if that's what they're doing. So oh, I'm giving this an 83%. Sense. Oh, man. You'll probably be right now and I'll be like, I feel so stupid. What did you give <sighs> it again? I gave it a 56. I think those comedies are just so hard to impress people that I just, I'm not sure, you know, so middle of the road for me, but I, I'd love for it to be ranked higher because I think it does look funny, but it's hard to sustain that sort of funny. Comedy is really subjective, a, but yeah. yeah. And date night okay. was so dumb that I'm just like, well, if this oh, is I like date, date night, night, then. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. Of course, of course. <laughs> okay well, whatever i think we're both excited for this next one um you gracefully allowed me to do the hype up for it but on april yes. 17th promising young woman is coming out and this recently got a trailer featuring a acoustic i guess a, a cover of toxic by britney spears which i think is so all good. you need to know <clears throat> but this stars carrie mulligan it, the description is um she was a promising young woman until a mysterious event abruptly derailed her future. And so now she's like going through this like double life at night where she pretends to be drunk, gets guys to come home to like bring her home and like, you know, take advantage of her. And then she sort of puts them in their place or who knows? We don't. It's not very clear. But this is Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Connie Britton, Adam Brody. Um, it's a female director and a re- and she also wrote it. It's her directorial debut. Um, but she was working on Killing Eve season two. So it's like I trust her her background. And I think it seems very cool, very timely. And um, Margot Robbie is a co-producer, so weird and oh. cool. Um, but I'm going to say this is going to get 85%. I agree that I think it's going to be really good. I gave it a 93%, which is a little oh, wow. bit higher than you. Again, this movie is going to Sundance. So I think that, yeah. like, why go there if you're not going to, if it's not going to be fantastic the one thing that i'm that i think could either go really well for it or really poorly for it is that it seems to me to be sort of a like a dramatic movie that has a lot to do with like sexual violence and yet the cast is has a lot of comedians in it with bo burnham allison brie jennifer coolidge like so i'm sort of a, a little bit confused as to like what exactly the tone of the movie is going to be but Mm -hmm. i think if it nails the i think if it like rides that line really well of like being about such a serious topic and being very serious but also like having some levity and parts of it that it could be really great and so that's sort of what i'm banking on with the 93 percent yeah i hope so it's hard for me to see movies coming out early in the year getting that high but i guess i I didn't do the same research you did, so. Well, I mean, the thing is that there's all, like, they're not going to get, like, Oscar nominations probably if they come out this early in the year. But there are, I think if it's a smaller movie, and this sort of does feel like it's a smaller movie, then those coming out earlier in the year sometimes can just be, like, it's not by a huge director and it's a smaller indie movie, so we're going to put it early in the year to have less competition. Like, that's what happened with, um with like get out you know the yeah. first and its first go and i around. guess book smart had a 
directorial debut and it got like 98%. So yeah, you're probably right. So that's what Dang I'm it. For. Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're probably actually right. Okay. So after <laughs> your like 15 picks in a row, we're finally yeah. getting to some of my picks. Um, okay. April 24th, we have Antebellum coming yeah. out, which the trailer it's a horror-ish movie uh the plot synopsis is successful author veronica henley finds herself trapped in a nightmarish reality and must find a way to break free of the horrors at hand which like what does that mean at all (laughs) it stars janelle monet it somehow is like integrating slavery with modern day uh, it's horror. Gabrielle Sidibe from Precious is also in it. Jenna Malone from The Hunger Games. I don't really know what it's about at all, but it looks right. really good to me and scary. And it does it's from the producers who did Get Out. So I don't know. I gave it an 87%, which is probably far too high for this, but I'm very excited about it. This is one of the movies that I'm most excited about for this year. So, you know, oh, yeah, love it looks sick. Horror. I'm like very into it. I gave it a 78%, um, but I hope it does better because I think it looks like a very cool idea. And Janelle Monet is a lot of fun to watch. So, And again, we know nothing about it really. So yeah. <laughs> even though we have a trailer, the next movie we don't have a trailer for, we don't, oh also there's no release date necessarily. <laughs> it's coming out in May. It's called Eurovision. It's directed <sighs> by the director of Wedding Crashers and it's Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams as Icelandic singers competing in Eurovision. It also stars <laughs> Pierce Brosnan, Dan Stevens from uh, Downton Abbey and also um, Beauty and the Beast and then Demi Lovato. It's going to Netflix I feel like this movie could be terrible, but the like it's just so weird and so bizarre to me that I had to include it on this list. I'm like excited to watch it, even if it is a train wreck. I don't know. I give it a 56% though, because I'm fully aware that this could be a disaster. <laughs> this is going to be way worse. It's a Netflix release too. It's like I put it at 28%. This does not sound like a good idea. <laughs> Oh my gosh, no, it's so fun. Has Will Ferrell done a Netflix movie so far? I don't think he has. Yeah, and they is that a good... paid him big money for this. I mean, is that a good thing? I, I don't know. I... You know, Roma was also on Netflix, so just think yeah. about that. Roma <laughs> and Eurovision, very similar <laughs> yeah. films. You're right. Well, I I hope you're pleasantly uh, surprised. Yeah, we're, we're starting to get into these movies where we know less and less about them, so it's hard to like really yeah. talk. We're sort of like shooting in the dark. Um, a movie that I think we know too much for, one of the ones mm. I'm not excited for, May 15th, we have The Woman in the Window. This is a movie that seemingly has everything going for it, and yet I think is going to be an utter disaster. It's yeah. based on the novel by A.J. Finn slash Dan Mallory, who has been like, it was very successful, sort of like a girl on the train, um, mm. gone girl type book, but he has been disgraced as sort of like a real creep and pervert. Oh. Um, if you haven't read the, I think it's a New Yorker article about him, you must. Ooh. It is like the best article that I've read in recent history. So I'll you should check that out. That he's, up. <laughs> he's like a crazy person. It's written the script is written by Tracy Letts, who won a Pulitzer for August Osage County, was also the dad in Lady Bird. It's directed by Joe Wright, who did Atonement and Pride and Prejudice and The Darkest Hour. So, like, and it stars Amy Adams, Gary Oldman, Brian Tyree Henry, Jennifer Jason Lee, Julianne Moore. Like, it has a very good cast. It feels like it's set up perfectly to be Gone Girl 2.0. And I think Amy Adams was like, I want that Rosamund Pike Oscar nomination for this role. <laughs> she plays like a shut in woman who's like, 
like maybe she's seeing things, maybe she's not. But the issue is that this was originally supposed to be released in October and it got bumped back because it had negative test audiences who didn't Mm. like the ending. So they had to like (laughs) rework everything. And now it's coming out in May, which to me feels like a real death blow to a movie that looks like it's going for an Oscar to have to come out then. So I feel like this is a no go. I'm giving it a 42%. I think it's like dead on arrival does poorly at the box office. It's like a, goldfinch-esque terror (laughs) this trailer bums me out every time i see it i'm just like it doesn't look good i gave it a 40 percent as well though i think the psychological thrillers are just getting like old and i don't know there's only so many weird twists you can justify in a movie like that that it's just like "Mm, just watch gone girl again you know yeah i mean truly like just watch gone girl 50 times before you do this um (laughs) Okay, another movie I'm not excited about. Fast and Furious <laughs> 9 comes out this summer. It's directed by the person who did Star Trek Beyond and the second season of True Detective, which both did poorly. It's written by the person who wrote Kin, that weird movie that had like James Franco when people were on like uh, technology something something. John yeah. Cena and Cardi B have joined the cast. Jason yeah. Statham and The Rock are not in this movie. Yeah. So any appeal from that movie that you made me watch, uh, the spinoff, Pops will not be lingering here. <laughs> I gave this a 62% because that felt like what it should get based on like what the other movies in the franchise got. But I don't yeah. know. This I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not excited for this. I don't want to see it. I'm praying I don't have to see it. You'll probably make me see it, though. Like, <laughs> ugh don't care about this movie one day. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Fast and Furious movies is they've been rated fresh since 2011, so it seems, like, weird to think about one of these getting less than, like, 50%, but this movie might be setting itself up to be that just because Vin Diesel has been salty about Dwayne Johnson. This one loses, like you said, two of the best stars, so I don't know. I put it at 60%, actually, but I'm still excited. (laughs) Oh, wow. You put it lower than I did. I know. It's Yeah, it's just kind of... I love these movies, but we'll see. Um, What I'm very excited for, though, is June 5th, Wonder Woman 1984 comes out. I get emotional every time I see this trailer. I think it's one of the best trailers, like, of recent years. And it just looks so good fun it's clever to have this time jump into the 80s which i think is a very on trend sort of fixation we have right now and um it's like about wonder woman squaring off against the cheetah i guess which is a villainess played by Kristen wig which is sort of weird um you don't get that storyline from the trailer really but it'll be interesting to see the two of them paired off against each other because when you look at Kristen Wiggy, don't really think like action star slash villain but I'm willing to give it a go and I'm feeling very confident about this um it looks like it'll be have a lot of the same hits and um empowering moments and sort of emotional tugs at the heartstring with Chris Pine so I'm gonna give it an 89 percent um, I am also really excited about this movie. It looks very like Stranger Things meets Captain Marvel to me. I haven't seen the original, but I will see it before this comes out. I love whatever movie Wait, music is going on the trailer. What? I You've we have never we've had, <laughs> Shelby, we have done the same exact thing like ten times on the podcast. I'm sorry, I block things from my memory because I just can't 
fathom a world where whatever it's perfect it has 93 percent on rotten tomatoes so it's hard to be shelby women shouldn't be superheroes that's why i didn't see the movie originally like (laughs) yeah i forgot what like what a super mom or something maybe but like not not an actual like warrior please (laughs) what's that Uh. um so yeah no i gave it an 82 i'm excited i think this looks good i'm excited to watch the other one so that i can watch this one love an 80s reference for anything so yeah excited um yeah i mean the first one doesn't have 80s references just to just to get that (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah (laughs) very different vibes but um the next one i'm excited for is june 19th pixar's second movie of the year soul comes out um we've talked about this i think on one of our trailer reviews on the podcast but this is about a middle school music teacher who dreams of playing at a legendary new york jazz club and I guess what happens in the trailer, at least, is um, he falls down a manhole and presumably dies or goes into a coma and goes to the land of souls. So he is the first black character to star in a Pixar movie, even though he turns into a blue blob fairly quickly. But it looks gorgeous. I think it feels like a fresh idea. And I love when they do these more human like stories, I guess, like. It feels very in tune with Inside Out. So I'm going to give this a 90%. Yeah, I'm giving this a 94%. It's from the director of Monsters, Inc. and Up and Inside Out. It feels like it's playing perfectly in that Pixar zone of like weird, emotional, but beautiful, but sort of happy, like melancholy. (laughs) My my only question is like, what is going on with the soul versus (laughs) onward? Like, are they both good? Is one of them bad? Like what's happening? But I feel like this, uh, you know, this is in the slot that we had Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4, which both did really well. So, yeah, I think in the 90s is where this movie is going to land. Then I have one of my negative picks, which (laughs) we all know I am no fan of Tom Cruise. He has (laughs) Top Gun Maverick, a sequel to Top Gun that is coming out on June 25th. It's written by Christopher McQuarrie, who has done his last couple uh, Mission Impossible movies. It's directed by the guy who did Tron Legacy. I just, I mean, it's like, you're making me excited. (laughs) It's just Tom Cruise, like, back at his, like, I'm old, but I can do stunts. I'm going to fly an airplane and, you know, have a million Gs. I just don't know who, this movie feels like it's in that, like, Terminator sort of vein to me, where I don't know, and and (laughs) I have the same issue with um, Ghostbusters. It's like, I don't know who exactly this movie is for because watching the trailer, I was like, okay, well, I haven't seen the original Top Gun, so I'm probably not going to go see this. But I don't know if like old school Top Gun fans are necessarily like this huge, massive audience that's all going to go out and see this opening weekend. This also already hit some issues because they didn't invite back the main woman from the original Top Gun movie (laughs) franchise, the like love interest. And she sort of got on Twitter or an interview or something and was saying, yeah, well I look like a normal person now. That's why they didn't want me back. Like I wasn't about to, you know, go try to become a supermodel in six months to be cast in this. So I think this already sort of has like a little bit of a bad light (laughs) to it. I don't know. I'm not into it. I'm giving it a 42%. I don't think it's going to be good or do well. I mean, everything you just listed has gotten higher than a 42%. Like Tom Cruise, Mission Impossibles. Like you've got to be more realistic. Tom Cruise has star power, whether you like it or not. I 
think it will struggle with being a sequel sort of spinoffy thing. So I'm going to say 61%. I mean, I didn't look up all of Tom Cruise's movies and Tom Cruise did well in um, the Mission Impossibles, but I feel like he's also had some stinkers in the last like 10 years of weird things. So I don't know if yeah. this is, if this has but the this power. But this is like you- a tried and true character. Like the mummy was one of his worst reviewed films. But that was just like trying to make him into, you know, something else. Whereas this is he just gets to play a cocky pilot. So it's like it's right up his alley. (laughs) I guess. Okay, first movie on this list that I think has like serious, legitimate Oscar buzz surrounding it is the June 25th release of In the Heights. This is directed by John Chu, who did Crazy Rich Asians. It's the movie adaption of Lin-Manuel Miranda's original Broadway musical In the Heights, which won a bunch of Tony Awards. It's about a group of people who live in Washington Heights and just kind of like what they're going through on a daily basis in the heat of this like heat wave in the summer. The trailer looks incredible. Everything was like shot on location. It has a great cast. Um, Like some of the huge musical dance numbers that you see like snippets of in the trailers just look so fun. The production values look amazing. I mean, it's based on really good IP. I just feel like this has everything that you could want. I could easily see this having a lot of awards potential, especially if the you know, music is really good. The original cast album for the play is great. So I think that this will probably have a lot of hype there. I'm sure they have a, they're going to stick in a new Lin-Manuel song going for that Oscar. (laughs) I give this a 90%. I'm very high on In the Heights. Yeah, no, it looks great. And I think, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is still a Hollywood darling. I think musicals are sometimes sticky with um, critics because it's just so hard for people to agree on it. But I'm going to put it at 81%. I hope it's higher. It looks amazing. So I hope people can agree. The thing is, like, I'm al- there's always those couple movies that come out every year that get those super high Rotten Tomato scores, you know? Yeah. And it's just like picking, like, which one is it? Yeah. And I'm hoping <laughs> that it's in the heights. I hope so too. Um, or it could be our next <laughs> our next up, which is on July 3rd, so the big holiday weekend. Um, Free Guy comes out. I am not excited for this, but some people are. It is the Ryan Reynolds movie um where uh this bank teller called Guy realizes he's a background character in a video game um that's about to go offline. And so in the movie, he has to, he like gains this sentience or whatever and realizes he has to kind of work to save the game. It also st- stars um, Jodie Comer and Taika Waititi. So you also have Steve from Stranger Things. Um, it's mm-hmm. a weird cast, an interesting cast. I feel like Matt should be very into it because it's directed by the guy who gave us Big Fat Liar. So, Oh, you know it. Yeah. (laughs) So probably on brand for Matt. I just it's hard for me because Ryan Reynolds is a very funny, clearly charismatic guy. But I often do not like his choices in films. I think Deadpool is an exception that works very well for him. This feels like it's trying to be a kid friendly Deadpool almost. And I just it's not clicking in a way that seems entertaining to me. I think the video game thing 
feels a little like overdone. It's basically like a live action version of the Lego movie meets Wreck-It Ralph. But I think it'll be a summer disaster that people somehow find love for. So I'm just going to put it right in the middle at 50%. Oh, I am higher on this movie than you are. <laughs> I mean, it's directed by Sean Levy, who, yes, did Big Fat Liar, but also did Cheaper by the Dozen, Night at the Museum, <laughs> Date Night. He's the mind behind a lot of Stranger Things. So I have a lot of faith in that front. I think the cast is really good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think this looks funny. And the fact that it's coming out July 3rd, I think is a good sign. So mm-hmm. yeah, 72% for me. Okay, we'll see. I feel like this this is like the big summer movie in my mind that's coming out. Mm-hmm. July 17th, we have Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan movie, his follow-up to Dunkirk. The trailer is very confusing. Like, who knows what's going on? The summary that's online is a secret agent is tasked with preventing world war three through time travel which like again tells us nothing but the cast is really good it's john david washington robert pattinson elizabeth debicki michael kane kenneth branagh aaron taylor johnson um it has floor delacour in it from the harry potter <laughs> movies christopher nolan's movies in general score really well i think they score better even when they're kind of these like new ideas that he has. So I'm giving this an 86%. I'm, I'm psyched for tenant. Oh yes. Um, I am saying 84%. So we're basically twins. I'm very excited for this. I feel like it's been a long time since a Christopher Nolan movie, but I guess I don't remember what he last did. Was it Interstellar? Well, Dunkirk, but oh, Dunkirk. That's right. But yeah, Dunkirk sort of so, doesn't so. feel like a Christopher yeah. Nolan movie just because it's not like, it's so straightforward. It's not as yeah. weird as his usual stuff. Okay, this next movie, I was honestly befuddled that you chose this as one of your ones you're excited for. I was like, <laughs> what is she on? Listen, she I was like scraping at the bottom of the barrel for this. I was like, I'm not excited for like 80% of these movies, but you made me choose 10. So um, I chose this one because Homegirl loves a good charismatic pairing. So on July 24th, um, the long-awaited Jungle Cruise is coming out, starring Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. It is a film based on a Disneyland theme park ride. So will it be great? Probably not. And we got the first trailer. It's a very supernatural, supernatural, like, magical, weird journey for children. Um, but I just love Emily Blunt so much. Like, I really do. And yes, this was originally set to be released in October. The, but this was like early on, like it was when it was first announced, it was expected to come out in 2019, but then they made the announcement in 2018 that it'd be d- bumped to 2020. So it doesn't feel like that big of a, of a bad sign. And like, yeah, this is a Disney cash grab based on a ride, but it worked for Pirates of the Caribbean, you know? Um, so if I had to enjoy a summer movie that was that's already been announced for 2020, I feel like there's enough um, energy that Emily Blunt and both Dwayne Johnson bring to the scene. So I don't think it will be good. I think it will be entertaining. So I put this at 38%. <laughs> oh, wow. You were... I thought I was going to have to argue about why this is going to be oh, a bad no. movie, but you just like <laughs> gonna be murdered that. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a 52%. The director has directed four Liam Neeson movies recently. Yes. There's five screenwriters involved, which I feel like is never <laughs> a good sign. 
yeah, this could be a Pirates of the Caribbean, but I feel like it's more likely <laughs> to be a Tomorrowland type uh, Disney ride disaster. I gave it a 52. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. That's fair. Um, what I'm really excited for, though, and I just found out was uh, announced earlier this month. August 12th, Train to Busan 2 Peninsula is coming out. Um, if you've listened to like any episode of our podcast, I'm pretty sure I find a way to mention my love for Train to Busan at least once per show. Um, it's a Korean zombie flick that just wowed the world over. It was a huge success financially. Um, critically, it holds a 93% fresh score. And um, it takes place on a commuter train as the zombie apocalypse unfolds around them. I think it re-energized the zombie format and it was so fun to watch. Clearly, like uh, what worked for it, though, is that it was so insular that it was like very interesting to watch. Like such a big world event happen on such a small, intimate stage. Um, so the one thing with this new one is it's definitely a bigger, bigger story. It doesn't involve any of the same people. It's directed and written by the same person, but the cast is totally different. There's not a lot of details on it, but it seems to be taking place in like, yeah, on like a bigger stage. It seems like it might be about, um, trying, racing to find the cure. So very World War Z-esque. I think sequels are difficult. I think zombies are always oversaturated, so it's hard to guarantee another hit that will like feel as fresh as the first one. Um, but I'm going to be optimistic and give this an 84. Uh, percent I really, I mean, I haven't seen the original. I, I knew nothing about this project, and I feel like the details <laughs> are pretty sparse. So I give it a 74. percent But that's sort of based on nothing other than like <laughs> yeah. what what did the original get, and it probably will score lower so yeah exactly um so i'm excited for it but who knows we have zero details and i don't even know if that's the u.s release date or if we'll have to wait a little while longer but it's coming and i can't wait so then there's another movie that i wish was never coming out um august 21st bill and ted face the music which is the i guess long-awaited third installment of the bill and ted films I know why they did this. I mean, Keanu Reeves is having a big renaissance right now. Last a couple years ago, or maybe just last year, they had a Bill and Ted reunion show that went really well and, in fact, inspired the idea for a third film. So, I mean, I don't think that means they had a great story in mind. I don't think, I think that means that they didn't have like a big vision. They were just like, oh, here's a market. Let's slap something together and get this done. If you haven't seen any of the Bill and Ted's, it's uh, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter. There's sort of these stoner lovable guys who end up in these insane adventures where they go back in time. And in the first one, it's revealed that they will write a song that inspires a utopian society of the future. So this movie takes place in, I don't know the exact. I guess it would be just like nowadays, <laughs> but they're realizing they have to write that song in the next 80 minutes or none of it will come true, this utopian society. And so it's sort of a real time <laughs> adventure story and it stars um, Samara Weaving from Ready or Not as Bill's kid. And then Ted's kid is also there and their daughters are trying to help them, blah, blah, blah. It does not sound excellent to me. Um, I'm going to say 28%. Yeah, I'm giving this a 32%. 
I've yeah. like maybe saw part of the original on cable at some point, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah, I I know nothing about this. And I just feel like comedies are so situational and subjective that I don't know how well like did the dumb and the new dumb and dumber movie or the new Wayne's World movie like I feel like they just don't do well because they're a younger audience isn't going to see it the older audience is like the comedy's changed in the in the 30 years yeah. that have elapsed since then or maybe even more time so yeah I don't exactly. know yeah 32 percent is where I'm sticking this Okay, we're into September. September 18th, The Kingsman, which is the Kingsman prequel, comes out. This was originally slated to come out this past November, but yeah. they, but like that was a really soon release date because they were still shooting it in last April. So then they pushed it back to February, and now it's being pushed back to September, which usually if it's pushed back, it's a bad sign. I think that this is actually a good sign that they moved it from February, which is kind of a dead month, to September, where it's going to have more competition. So I think they think that it's better than the placement that they had for it originally. I'm giving this a 77%. Mm, Yeah. Um, I don't care at all about this, um, this, uh, franchise. I think they're only getting worse reviews. So I'm going to say 51%. I mean, the, the second one was terrible, but the first one was so good. (laughs) And I feel like this is going in slightly different directions. So I have, and the trailer I really like, I have hopes for it. A movie that I think we talked about in the very first episode ever of our podcast, uh, coming out September 25th. We've been around so far, so long that a movie that we <laughs> that was only a dream is now becoming a reality. It's the Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. Usually, like, TV show movies, I don't think do super well. I mean, the Downton Abbey movie obviously did, but you're working with, like, a very limited audience. I think that Mm -hmm. this isn't the exception, though, because it's a prequel with a completely different cast. So you could watch this without having ever watched The Sopranos and I think probably enjoy it. It has John Bernthal from Walking Dead, Vera Farmiga, Corey Stahl, Ray Liotta, Leslie Odom Jr. It has a good cast. It's based on The Sopranos, which was such a good show. I'm giving this an 82%, and I'm really praying that it doesn't turn out to be a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I put it at 68%, but I it's not my cup of tea, so who knows? Who knows? You know, there's there's a there's one woman listed in the cast. Shelby, is that not enough? For yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, that'll do it for me. Um, no, but then the next one that has very sparse details that I'm sort of excited for October second, a movie called Bios comes out, which is a post apocalyptic film uh, about a inventor who's the last man on earth, played by Tom Hanks, who builds an android to keep him and his dog company. Because he doesn't want his dog to have no one once he dies. Oh, my gosh. Like, aside from the Tom Hanks part, which, like, take it or leave it on him, honestly. Like, this movie might have been just custom made for me. It's a post-apocalyptic. It has a dog and an emotional farewell. So, I'm excited. I'm hesitant because I feel like Tom Hanks can sometimes do these earnest films that don't always land. But then again, he rarely has duds, and it is sort of a fall release. 
Um, so I'm going to say 89% and hope I'm right. I think you're on to something. I gave it a 78%. It's directed by Miguel Sapochnik, who directed the most like beautiful lauded episodes of the game of Game of Thrones. <laughs> so it feels like we have a really good director here who's like hunting for possible Oscar nomination. I I don't think we've seen Tom Hanks do a post-apocalyptic. So I think this could be something new for him that you know gets him a lot of attention and could be really great it also has samara wiley and uh, caleb landry jones who are kind of promising up-and-coming actors so i don't know i'm excited about this i think this could be really good i hope that it's great um sequel coming out near halloween (laughs) we have halloween kills the follow-up to halloween from two years ago jamie lee curtis and judy greer are back um, there's not a lot of big stars joining the cast, which I think is interesting for these, for this kind of like big horror movie. You think that because most of the people are going to get killed, that they would get some bigger named, oh, yeah. you know, bodies right. in the mix here, but they really don't have any, I guess originally this movie was, they, when they were pitching it, they pitched the first one and the second one to be filmed like together back to back, which oh. makes me think that they have a really good idea for this, even if it's not, uh, even if it wasn't, you know, like exactly the same thing. So I'm giving this a 76%. I have a lot of faith in Halloween. Yeah, I just, I mean, the first, the new Halloween did very well, but I just don't think lightning can strike twice on this sort of franchisey thing. Um, so I'm going to give it a 56%. Sorry. Uh, so sad. <laughs> um, okay, I guess we just have my movies left because all of your movies. Were, yeah, were <laughs> I'm a summer, summer flick yes. kind of gal. We mm-hmm. know that. <laughs> Uh, uh, talking about another Marvel installment, Marvel's The Eternals comes out November 6th. Despite my love of Endgame, this uh, <laughs> does not look great to me. The plot summary is after the unexpected tragedy following the events of Avengers Endgame, the Eternals, an immortal alien race created by the Celestials who have secretly lived on Earth for over 7,000 years, reunite to protect humanity from the evil counterparts, the Deviants. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> also, I hate the Marvel movies that are like, oh, we're all gods and we all have amazing superpowers. <laughs> the cast looks good. It's Richard Madden, Gemma Chan, Camille Nadjani, Brian Tyree Henry, Angelina Jolie, and Kit Harrington. But I don't know. There's just like, there's something about this that I'm like, I am not going to like this movie. I'm giving it a 62%. Camille Nadjani is weird and veiny. Like, no thanks. <laughs> I think, I mean, you're biased against Marvel movies, but Marvel movies tend to do well. So I'm going to say 84% and see how this shakes out because it's one of the first um, of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, it's the second Marvel movie that'll come out because the Scarlett Johansson one is coming out earlier in the year, which neither of us seemed on board with. Um, So yeah, I think this will be fine i think it'll be a marvel movie that works so 84 final answer um okay coming out december 18th this might be Mm. the movie that i'm most excited about you guys know i love (laughs) a 
like prestige outer space movie more than anything. And we have Dune coming out, which is based on the novel, like a classic novel by Frank Herbert, which I have and need to read before then. Um, it's directed by Dennis Villeneuve, who did Arrival and Blade Runner 2049, which I loved both of. It's starring Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Zendaya, Charlotte Rampling, Javier Bardem. Whoa. Like This just looks like such a great movie there's really like no trailers or anything released but it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be sprawling and you know that it's going to be hunting for those oscars and i am just here for it i'm giving it a 91 percent. oh yeah it's obviously going for that prestigious spot so i put it at 90 so <laughs> we're on the same page even though it's not really my cup of tea but see, like, that just kills me right there. Because now, if the movie gets 90 oh, or anything <laughs> lower, right. you get a point. And, if it, and so I only get a point if it's hey, 91 or the higher. Price is like, right, games. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're just like, this is horrible. Um, okay. <laughs> then our last movie, my choice, yet to get a release date, is Rebecca. <laughs> this is the new Netflix version of uh, the Daphne du Maurier novel, which has been made into a movie twice already the first time I, I it won best picture it was an alfred hitchcock movie starring Lawrence olivier and then it came out again with charles dance and diana rigg in like the 70s i think this one stars army hammer and lily james i just love this story and i think that this could be a lot of fun with these two um have you read the book shelby I think I have like I have a vague recollection of being forced to at some point but I honestly it's not one that stuck with me it feels like a book that you would love it feels very like up your alley it's so good it's kind of like like gothic-y romance but there's like a horror element going on yeah Um, what about what you just described sounds very on brand for me Well, I don't, I mean, it's like... The woman part, the titular role. Well, I mean, don't you like, like, Jane Eyre, kind of? I actually don't. I I didn't, I skipped all the the Bronte sisters. Um, I don't love the gothic-y stuff, I think, is where I Interesting. get hung up on. Maybe I'm, like, just, like, sticking your love for yeah. Jane Austen and lumping this in yeah, with that. Yeah, very which, different like, Sort of is, but not really. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm into it. I'm giving it an 85. Yeah, I think the one thing is it's a Netflix release, which um, sometimes those are great, you know. But if it doesn't have a release date yet, I don't know if this is going to be the, like, Oscar tentpole they're banking on. So I'm going to say 76%. Okay, yeah, it really depends on when it comes out. Because if it's a fall yeah. release, it could be a big Oscar nominee. If it comes out, yeah. you know, in April, then that's a whole <laughs> another ballgame. Okay, well, yeah. that is all of our um, the movies that we've really decided to talk about. Now we're just going to do rapid-fire Rotten Tomato scores <laughs> for the rest of these movies that we skipped over. These are like the big movies coming out that, for whatever reason, we did not want to talk about. Okay, <laughs> you ready, Shelby? Yes. Okay, starting with January 31st release of Gretel and Hansel. What are you giving it? I have heard nothing of this, so I'm just settling in at 25%. I'm giving this a 46%. Uh, We have the Julia Louis-Dreyfus slash Will Ferrell movie Downhill. I'm giving it a 65. Mm -mm. No, I'm going to say 30%. Oh, wow, you... (laughs) <laughs> nope. Um, okay, the photograph. That's the Issa Rae movie. I think that looks absolutely terrible and so dull. Yeah. I'm giving it a 42. Yeah, I said 38. 
Oh, wow. You're really low on these. Okay. Call of the <laughs> Wild, the Harrison Ford movie. I give that a 38. This trailer <laughs> made me cry, but yeah, it's a 30% for me. Um, okay. The Invisible Man, the uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen, My Husband is Invisible and Stalking Elizabeth Me movie. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, yes, yeah. not Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. So many Elizabeths. I I put this one low, too, at 28%. So... Oh, really? I gave this a 79. Oh, I'm into whoa. this movie. I, th- I almost picked this one to talk about. I think it looks really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> sure. The next one is The New Mutants, which we've talked about. Um, I put this at 18%. I put this at 50%. Okay. I think it's bad, well, but I don't know if it's You'll be probably that be bad. closer. I'm just in a negative mood on these, I guess. Um, Peter Rabbit 2, what did you have? I gave this a 64%, what? although I don't know why. <laughs> I said 40%, but I guess if it lands anywhere between there and then, then you're right. So congrats. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. I gave it a 76. I put 60. I honestly haven't yeah, even watched the trailer. Right. I just don't care. But then you have the Black Widow, which is the Scarlett Johansson prequel, I guess. Um I put it at 45%. I think it might be Marvel's first bomb. Oh, really? I feel yeah. like ScarJo's on a high. I give it 86. Oh, wow. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, And then May 8th, Greyhound. I just realized I missed this one, so I don't know what it is. This is the, um. it's like Tom Reminder. Hanks war movie. It's like, oh. I think World War II maybe oh, has Tom yeah. Hanks. I'll say 51%. I gave it an 88, which now is oh. feeling generous looking at back at it. But more or less generous than the fact that I'm giving Scoob, the Scooby-Doo movie coming out, an 86%. What? I think this looks so fun. Oh, I'm this not a great. Scooby-Doo fan, so maybe I'm just projecting. I put this at 36%. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Is anything getting above 50% for you? Yeah, what yeah. What about actually, Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife, I put 61% because I'm a sucker for Paul Rudd. Oh, that's too high. I gave it a 40. That looks bad. <laughs> and then you have Respect coming out in August on August 14th. This is the um the Aretha Franklin doc um I mean not doc but uh movie. I said 54%. Not nobody really impressive is involved in it. I'm right, I give it a 65. We're on the same yeah. page there. <laughs> then you have The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is the Ryan Reynolds sequel. Um, the first one didn't do great. I'm putting this at 32%. I'm giving it a solid 50. Oh, nice. Uh, and then you have October 9th, Death on the Nile, which is the Kenneth Branagh big cast movie, um, based on the dramatic book. So I don't think this will be much better than Murder on the Orient Express. So I'm going to do 61%. I'm giving it a 64%. I think we're on the same boat. Uh, (laughs) We have the adaption of the Roald Dahl novel, The Witches, coming out, starring Anne Hathaway. I'm giving this a big old 81. No, I'm going to say 45%. No. Yeah. It's going to be great. She doesn't pick a stinker. Okay, and then you have Godzilla versus Kong, which is a November release, which is interesting, but I'm going to say 30%. I'm giving this 40%. Yeah. I feel like I just earned a point right there. That was an easy <laughs> win for me. Um, Coming to America 2, another one of these like 80s comedies that they're 
doing a sequel to. This is Eddie Murphy. I'm giving a 61%, which I feel like might be oh, high. wow. Yeah, I just can't see this working well in today's world. So I'm saying 34%. People love Eddie Murphy, but I guess that didn't help Dolomite very much. Um, <laughs> Steven Spielberg is doing an adaption of West Side Story starring Ansel Elgort. This Ugh. feels like big production numbers. I don't love Ansel, but I give this an 85% just for whatever reason. Oh, really? I thought his Golden Globes moment just ruined any good feelings I had about this. But um, I put it at 48%. For a Steven Spielberg, like clearly Oscar yeah but it's dumb and the first one the original holds up so why are we doing this i think it's another misstep for hollywood musicals it could could be a cat's debacle yeah (laughs) and then finally we have the french dispatch which is the new wes anderson movie i give it a 92 oh my gosh i am so over wes anderson but people eat him up so i'm saying 71 okay and that is that is everything (laughs) we've talked about not even a fraction of all the movies coming out this year, but <laughs> all the big ones. And this podcast yeah. is going long. So uh, follow us on social media. Leave us a review. Anything else, Shelby? No, that's good. Okay. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>